listeners, hello followers. Welcome to Mentally Sounds Life in Lockdown podcast series. We're episode 55. My name is Ricky Thaman. I'm your host for the next hour. For those of you that don't know, Mentally Sound is a mental health and mental well-being show. Because of that, as a disclaimer, if anyone's listening who feels that what we're talking about, we're about to talk about, is of a trigger nature to you, if you feel sensitive, if you get flashbacks, then we do urge you, as part of our signposting criteria, we do urge you to see your nearest crisis centre, your GP, uh, your mental health nurse, whoever whoever you rely upon um, for for maintaining your well-being. The basis of these shows is that myself and a guest will talk um, anything to do with mental health, particularly as we're in lockdown or as we're easing of lockdown, as we currently are. And we talk to people who, you know, we talk to charities, we talk to people who are shielding, we talk to people who are helping out in the community, such as food banks and uh, mutual aid groups, so on and so on. Um, if you're listening to us on Spice FM, um, which is the... Uh, brilliant community radio station in Newcastle's uh, West End. A reminder, you can pick us up on 98.8 FM. If that's out of your reach, just tap on to spicefm.co.uk where you can pick us up instantaneously. Um, and you can pick us up on Tuesdays at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and we repeat on Saturdays at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. If you want to get in touch, either be uh, get in touch with myself if you'd like to be a guest, or if you want to be in touch with a guest that we've had on our show, just email us in at uh, mentallysound at spicefm.co.uk and I'm happy to forward you on to the relevant people and your privacy anonymity will be respected, of course. If you listen to our social media platforms, a reminder what they are. Uh, on Twitter, at underscore mentallysound. On Instagram, it's mentallysoundradio. And on Facebook, it's mentallysoundradio show. And incidentally, on our Facebook header page, uh, not only you'll find our community, you'll also find the archive of all the shows, all the podcasts with all the relevant topics underneath. So anxiety, depression, alcoholism, addiction, all those are listed there. So you can find the one that you find most is relatable to you or just listen to them all. You know, if you listen to us on our podcasts, um, you know, we're on all the various platforms. These include Clip, which is C-L-Y-P. Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Breaker and Apple Podcasts. Brilliant. So now that I've got all that out of the way, I'll introduce to our guest and what a fab guest it is for, for the full full 50 minutes of this podcast. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but um, she's very kindly donating her time for the for the whole show. Her name is Joel Lufferin, the director of Time to Change, the, the big charity that we all associate with mental health. First of all, hello, Joe. How are you doing? Hi there. Hi, Ricky. How are you doing? I'm, 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 I'm really well, thank you. Um, and it's such a pleasure to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, more than, more than, more than, more than happy to have you on and such a pleasure it is. Particularly, particularly it is to Time to Change. We've got plenty to talk about. Um. But first of all, Joe, am I I'm pronouncing your surname right? Is it Lufferin? It's Lufferin, but that's okay. Lufferin, I get that Lufferin. a lot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping I'd get that right because it usually boards well for the rest of the show, but but we'll keep our fingers crossed. Um, well, that's all right. We've got, we've got the error out of the way now. The rest of the show will be brilliant. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, well, thanks for thanks for being on, Joe. Um, my first question, as always, to all our guests Um how have you been uh, throughout lockdown this past? I think we're coming up to fourteen months now. I know we're in sort of an easing off moment now, but um, 
If you could describe in a nutshell or as many nutshells as you like, what's the last um, 13, 14 months been for you on, on a personal um, well-being level? I think for me it's been um, it's been something of a roller coaster. Uh, when, it, when we first went into lockdown, I think I was probably like a lot of people in, in, in quite a bit of shock. And, and actually there was quite a lot of fear um, yeah. for me personally, fear for, for sort of family members, particularly my dad. Um, who um, uh, you know? Who, who currently lives on his own? Um, and I remember thinking, I just wanted to be around people who were closest to me and that I loved most. But of course, we couldn't. Mm. And then there was the kind of adjustment um, phase for um, you know not being in the office with with my team, and, yeah. and that's really important to me, being able to kind of um, have that kind of face to face interaction with the mm. team. And then there were lots of positives that came out of it too. And I remember thinking how incredibly lucky I was to be able to have some time back. So I wasn't commuting for four hours into London every day. Yeah. Um, and that meant I could get out and, and, and do what I love the most and what's really good for my mental health, which is to get out into nature and, mm. and to really notice the seasons as they um, as they progress through the year, and that that for me has been a bit of a lifesaver. I have to say that that ability to get out into the fresh air um, and into the into the kind of you know countryside mm. has been fantastic. Sure, I mean, as with the the themes with with these podcasts, whenever I ask guests about you know what 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 were the things that that saw them through, I think nature. If you were to drop a top ten, um, I would think that being being out there with nature or rediscovering nature. And um, was one of the was one of the big ones certainly. Um, as far as friends and family are concerned, uh, in regard to the virus, was everyone okay? Were you impacted directly? Um, but that's not no, too a personal just, question. Yeah, just really, really lucky. And again, um, you know, I, I hold that dear, really, really dear, because so many people are not in the position that I'm in. Yeah. So my dad's fine. He's had both of his vaccines. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and all, all my, you know, my close friends. Whilst I've got um, some who have experienced COVID, yeah. um, they're all okay, um, and um, nobody's ended up in hospital. And, and thankfully, um, we haven't, we haven't experienced um, any bereavement. So, Good. from that point of view, that's fantastic. And yeah. um, and I'm, and I'm all, I, I, I feel very. I'm always feeling very um, lucky about that, but also really conscious of how mm. devastating this has been for so, so many people, both in terms of what they've been able to do and not able to do, and also just how many individuals mm-hmm. we, um, we've we lost through this and how that impacts on, on so many families. Sure. Um, before we talk about time to change, just going off um, your last answer there, um, when you when you were say, sort of saying you were thinking of others, um, how much of that was also to do with 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 the charity and and, and your team, um, knowing knowing them as you do personally, because um, we all we were all thinking of our colleagues as well. But um, were you thinking about? I mean, we'll talk more about the impact it had on on time to change, of course. But um, how much of that was playing on your thoughts, especially in those early weeks and months? In terms of our ability to deliver, or yeah. in terms of yeah, we did, you know, we had to pivot very, very quickly um, mm. in terms of, uh, of what we needed to achieve um, mm. in that period of time. And actually, you know, I, I have to say how to my incredible team. I mean, they really, really pulled it out of the bag. So lots of stuff that we would normally have done face to face, 
certainly in the early period of time, we just stopped doing for a little while. And that was because we didn't know how long it was going to last. And we didn't know, um, you know, quite how we were going to have to think differently about um, how we would deliver um, things. But a lot of the stuff that we um, deliver, we can do through um, online platform platforms. So um, much of that um, we were able to um, online. The things that we know and value most at Time to Change are those face-to-face interactions where training and support and our champions, um, the people who who work with us with personal experience um, uh, and go out and kind of deliver and meet people. That was the bit that that was most mm-hmm. um, difficult to achieve. Um, but even then, after a few months, we, we really managed to think about ways in which we could helpfully do that and still maintain some contact, uh, not with everybody, but some contact with our champions and also our um, mm. the people who we wanted to influence. Sure. Yeah, I mean, in one sense, you've already answered um, in terms of the impact on time to change. And we'll, of course, it'll undoubtedly come up again, I think. But um, um, for listeners out there, I mean, time to change for me um, in, in the years which I've come to know about it and then become, you know, directly involved, especially in the latter years um, where, I, where I was lucky enough to attend one or two events up in the region. Um, but I would say that it's become so recognisable. It's it's almost up there amongst the most recognisable sort of charities that we associate um, in this country. And for those people out there who perhaps aren't too aware of time to change, um, how would you do, how would you sort of describe? I mean, I would I would describe myself myself. It's kind of a unique umbrella organisation because you know it incorporates um other organizations like mind and, and like uh, rethink mental and mental illness but how would you describe it to, to people out there who wouldn't know much about um time to change yeah well uh, uh, we, we we talk about ourselves i mean we we aren't actually a kind of an official charity we're, mm. we're, we're a campaign and that, and that campaign is run by the two charities as you mentioned mind and, yeah. and, and rethink mental illness and, mm. and really the campaign um for us is incredibly important because what it's been trying to do is to create a kind of social movement mm-hmm. um, where we we talk to people about our personal experience of mental health problems so that we can really get people thinking and acting differently towards those of us who mm-hmm. experience mental health problems and mm-hmm. and that's really a kind of foundational really that whole experience of stigma and discrimination if we can if we can alleviate that if we can change that if we can allow people who have that experience themselves to mm-hmm. bring their whole selves to work or their whole selves to their community or their whole selves to their school life you know we're changing fundamentally how people experience stigma and discrimination mm-hmm. in societal at institutional organizational levels um, and we do it through a number of, uh, of different um, ways so we've got we or we had um, a, a big uh, workplace um, well-being yeah. program of work um, we worked in schools um, we worked out in communities um, so things like our, our hub uh, which you probably would have been involved in um, um, uh, most recently and then we also mm-hmm. did lots of stuff around peaks of national activity so our targeted work targeting men um, which uh, was all about brotherhood and stepping in and supporting um, your friend when they might be in need 
as well as um, things like our Time to Talk Day, which happens in February yeah. every year, where we, where we really galvanise everybody who's ever supported us to kind of get behind mm. the concept of being a bit more open about mental health. Yeah. Yeah, that, that Time to Talk Day is, is so kind of like ingrained within our national calendar, isn't it? I mean, myself and Steve, my co-host, we would always, um, even if we weren't broadcasting um, our show um, on, on that particular day, we'd always um, get onto our, our radio station and, and sort of cajole ourselves into do, doing a broadcast on there because it was so great and, and, and so important. And and it felt good to to join the rest of the the nation as part of that conversation. But but as you say, so the so this campaign started in in off in two thousand and seven, I believe. Um, yeah. As regards to your own background, Joe, how did you get involved? Were you there at the start? Um, um, were there elements to maybe your backstories which helped help you get you where you were? Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so I so I work um, for Rethink Mental Illness now mm-hmm. for um, well eighteen years, almost exactly eighteen oh, years. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's a long time. Yeah. Um, and um, I was when I first um, came to to Rethink, I was doing stuff which would have been the early starting point, really, around stigma and discrimination. We were um, mm-hmm. we had a project where we went into schools in Kent. And we were looking to get young people thinking about mental health and thinking differently about those of us with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we began to think about this need for challenging stigma and discrimination, that, that really came about because the beneficiaries of mind and recent mental illness talked often about the fact that living with the symptoms and the experiences of a mental health problem is, is kind of one thing, but sometimes the way in which others treated mm-hmm. them, the stigma and discrimination that went alongside that mm-hmm. um, was often more impactful on their day-to-day living mm-hmm. than the symptoms themselves. So these two massive mental health charities, Mind and Rethink Mental Illness, thought, okay, what, what is it that we can do about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and felt that they could come together in partnership mm-hmm. um, to deliver something that really has been uh, and delivered phenomenal change over the last kind of 15 years Um, and for me to answer the other part of the question for me it's always been incredibly important um, mental health the ability to think about how we remain mentally healthy and and how Mm. we take care of ourselves because my own experience um, of that Mm. really from my very early years when um, uh, when I was at secondary school um, and, and really through all of my life where I've um, definitely experienced um, low mood um, and uh, and it's been well it's been one of the biggest pleasures of my life really to to be able to kind of be involved in something like times change sure I mean <clears throat> one of the great things about uh, the campaign it, it's just you know allowing to talk about our feelings you know making it part of the the, the normal mainstream narrative is has been a huge um, I would say a monumental shift because like yourself, when when I had my um, issues going back to high school and college, um, and not knowing how to talk about it, and you know, when it comes to panic attacks, what are these? How do I talk about it? But getting that getting that diagnosis was was such a great thing, and we talked about this in a previous podcast with our resident therapist, um, and it would just be such a great thing, and I think it is a great thing now that that more and more people are able to do that. That, that the stigma isn't there with, when when they talk about um you know a diagnosed anxiety condition or 
or depression or, or any sort of emotional toll which seems to overwhelm their lives at the moment, especially for young people. I think that's I'll I'll put that down to 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 the work from from you guys. I think that's that's been incre incredibly um great. Um, um before we talk about before we talk about the sort of um uh where we are where we are now because i remember getting the 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 email towards the end of last year and the news about you know time to change sort of wrapping up sort of things um um you know of, of march of this year and and and, and uh, i remember seeing some other twitter followers sort of venting their fury about it but it's not the end is it i mean i know that we'll talk more about that in a bit but um i want to ask you Joe, and again going back to 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 lockdown the pandemic um as we're sort of easing off, and and with you with you guys having to um, close a few things down, but are you? And and I've talked to other guests as well, and 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 especially with therapists and you know people within the NHS that they you know they use the word tsunami in terms of like the referrals that's going to happen because of the uh, the mental health toll that the people have endured um, throughout lockdown. But do you feel a little bit of um, pressure there, maybe, or somewhat, or? Or that you 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 were not going to have as many tools out there as previous, or or when I mentioned before about the the work still continuing, that you're kind of well prepared for that. Yeah, I mean the the thing that gives me hope, um, uh, two things really. One, in terms of the mental health need, there are still you know mind and rethink mental illness will continue. So there's yeah. there's that element there, and also what they do do is they also campaign for. Um, change. They can mm. campaign for better services, more services, you know, better funded services, fit mm. for purpose services. So mm. there's an element of, of me feeling comfort from that. And I think the second thing that gives me um, comfort is that we set the whole programme up right, really right from the beginning mm. to make sure that we were trying as much as possible to embed as much of what we were doing as possible, both in organisations um, and amongst individuals um, and, and champions and our supporters. And, mm -hmm. and my great hope is that all of those organisations that signed the Time to Change pledge and all of those schools who um, worked with us, and, and we were in about uh, just over half of all secondary schools in England, mm. and we had uh, you know 1,500 organisations, that all of those individuals collectively yeah. won't let this end. Mm. And so what we're trying to do, what we try to do with our legacy website is to keep the brand going and yeah. to keep the resources on the website through until November 2022. Mm -hmm. so that we allow people to adjust apart from anything else mm -hmm. but also to start making plans in a in a in a, a more organized way to take on some of this work and to take it forward um mind and rethink mental illness have definitely said that they're going to uh, want to be continuing some of the work it won't look and feel like time to change but it will still have the essence yeah. of stigma and discrimination and, and challenging that and that's that's incredibly important and gives me comfort mm. as I bring this program um, um, to a close. Mm. Am I allowed to ask what what the reasons were to to closure, or um, is that is that a little bit taboo? I think it's just. I mean, you know, there, there is never ever one single reason, is there? I mean, fundamentally, yeah. the, there wasn't funding there to um, for us to continue, and and and, and that has. The reasons why there isn't funding available are, you know, huge. Yeah. Uh, not least, you know, we were in and continue to be in the midst of a, of a pandemic. Yeah. And of course, 
in some senses you, you might argue that's quite short-sighted and and, yeah. and of course people do talk as you say about this tsunami of mental health need yeah. and what we've always done is we're not about service delivery but we are about making sure that people's experience of yeah. mental illness yeah. in the community or in their workplaces or in schools or at yeah. societal level yeah. is such that that doesn't exacerbate the sure. symptoms and the problem that they've got Sure. So I think that we may well find a, a, a time to change size whole um, uh, in the next six to nine months where people want to be able to talk with mm -hmm. others about it. And the, ch and the challenge is making sure that all of the great inroads we've made yeah. in terms of creating a society that's accepting mm -hmm. start to fall away. And that's the risk. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore that people can you know go back to feeling quite alone with their experience of mental health and mental uh, health problems mm -hmm. um, and that that you know we, we're trying really really hard to kind of mitigate sure so in essence what you're saying is that the legacy in which time to change has you know um with all the work that you you plowed with over the last few years it's it's much of that, as you hope, and use the word hope, will come to fruition as we deal with the fallout with lockdown. So, um, yeah, um, I think that will be a good good tester, wouldn't it, to to see to see how it is. And as you say, a time to change shaped hole. Um, that's a really good way of putting it. And let's just see let's just see what happens with that. But um, yeah, Joe, I'll tell you what, we we reached halfway through. I mean, it's it's flown by, hasn't it? So. I was thinking we'll we'll play a little um, musical interlude for a few seconds and then um, and then we'll rejoin with our with our audiences and and, and uh, we'll carry on the conversation. Is that all right? That's great. Thank you. See you in a few seconds, listeners. back everybody um thanks for sticking with us uh, mentally sounds life and lockdown podcast series um part two of our i would say yeah time to change special is with our guest joe lochran the time to change director is still with us i think we'll carry on with the second half um let's talk more about the the achievements um uh, as we know that things are going to wrap up but the legacy and some of the work are still going to continue thanks to the organ other organizations that the fall under the umbrella, like mind, like rethink mental illness, as 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 Joe is is working with as well. So um, I've got some things written down here. So as I say, um, seven thousand champions, um, over forty community hubs, um, fifteen hundred pledge employers. Um, that's amongst some of them. I became a, I myself became a champion towards the end, and and I was um invited to a brilliant event that Time to Change had at the Discovery Museum. Where I met with other um uh, great champions and uh, a lot of the companies made pitches as to how they um use change the narrative or or maybe improve the narrative is probably a better terminology in terms of how they deal with mental health in the workplace um because I've always felt for a while I mean I've I've myself have suffered um some discrimination um mental health discrimination at work and I got in touch with my with um time to change and they were very helpful with with um. The feed, well, I was. They were very helpful with the feedback they gave me, and I, and and you know helped me enormously. But um, how how big has been the the challenge of workplace discrimination um 
regarding mental health, Joe? And just do, do you think that despite the inroads that you've made, is there still much more work to do? Um, would you like many more companies to get involved, or um, how do you think? And especially with things sort of wrapping up, um, will the momentum carry through so that other other companies and employers will will, will carry on the the good work and 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 inspire from what 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 the work you've been doing yeah i mean we we, we totally hope that the employers will really mm. well first of all continue the work that we've already started so the the time to change pledge was was just really fantastic because it allowed um, organizations to think through what they were already doing well and mm. i think that's something that we sometimes forget yeah. um and by the very nature those organizations have come to us wanting to do something specific around mental health in their workplaces so that's a great first start mm. um and um one of the things that we've definitely still got on the website mm. is ways in which organizations can have a a look on the uh, on the website and see um, top tips for how they might deliver a program mm -hmm. that looks to address mental health well-being in the workplace so that's still available mm -hmm. and also that work is continuing to be supported by mind and, and by rethink mental illness so both of them have mm -hmm. a workplace well-being offer Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'd love for the organisations that are still doing it to continue yeah. to renew um, that ambition around mentally healthy workplaces every single year mm -hmm. um, and for more organisations to realise the, the benefit both to employees but also to productivity, to happiness in the workplace, to people's sense of, um, uh, of, of wanting to be there as an employee. And, mm. and it's interesting, you, you know, we talk about 1,500 organisations, but when we break that down, that's, mm. you know, near on sort of 4 million individuals, 4 million employees yeah. who are touched by mm. uh, that in their work life. And that's, that's incredible. That's mm. really, that's a real positive legacy yeah. that I think we've I was wondering on the back of that, what you just said, um, what sort of feedback have you had from employees in terms of um, not just um, well-being of, of the, the staff, but also were they, were they actually telling you that, that yes, by, by signing up to the, to the pledge and, and incorporating some of the, um, the advice and tips that, that you're offering, that the things like um, productivity and so forth was much improved as well as, as an added bonus out of that? Yeah, absolutely. So again, you know, we, we so one of the things that we've uh, always done at, at, at Times Change is to really um, value evaluation, research and evaluation. So we always we're always keen to understand the impact of what it is that, that we've delivered. Yeah. So um, in terms of sort of you know newly um, pledged employers, we knew that, that a high level about ninety eight percent. Uh, or ninety-five percent, sorry, uh, of in, of uh, employees reported a rise in employees' confidence mm. to disclose a mental health problem, mm. and that's important because if we want to put in place things that support our employees, we need to know that there's a problem in the first place. Yeah. And if we create an environment that isn't good and conducive to people mm. talking about mental health, then oftentimes those issues go mm. quietly, sit in the corner, and get worse, mm. and people go off. And then, you know, we're not we're not then able to support them to stay in employment. And that's really good, regardless of what we feel like on a Monday morning. Yeah. Being in work is actually really good for our mental health. So that's really um, important. 
40% um, reported an increase in staff disclosure, so line managers, um, and we do we do um, lots of line manager training as well to mm-hmm. make sure that we can have that conversation and that it's a really positive um, a positive uh, thing. Yeah. And about 70% of, of um, our employees employers reported changing their HR policies to make sure that they were covering uh, you know, good, positive mental health. Mm-hmm. So all of those things create a kind of, uh, what we wanted to do was to make sure that we didn't just do a kind of parachute in thing, mm-hmm. but that actually we created that change at the centre inside organisations so that they could then take that forward into the future. And again, that's all about our legacy um, yeah. and sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just makes perfect sense because when you think about um, atmospheres within workplaces and all the stresses that come with it that um, having these pledges in place it just um, I mean it's a no-brainer for me and uh, if you were to have a look at my office I mean it's it's festooned with um, all the time to change their uh, sort of paraphernalia that the, the that has been kindly sent over the years but um, are those things going to still be ready much available the um, um, uh, you know time to change over the years have sent some amazing sort of pack you know stationary packs um cards that will be handed out i know that as you say mind and uh, rethink will will take much of that over but are these sorts of things i don't mean sort of like um, a goodie bag sort of thing but the the sort of clever uh, messaging that you had on the posters that that sort of you know when you put on a wall can be um really eye-catching but those sorts of things still be ready available for for people to download and order and that sort of thing yeah, so some of those resources will um, still be available through to November 2022. Yeah. Um, uh, not necessarily physical packs to order, but certainly stuff to download. Mm. Um, and the other good thing that, that uh, you know is going to continue to happen is Time to Talk Day. Mm. So Mind and Rethink Mental Illness will deliver Time to Talk Day next year. Yeah. Um, it might look and feel a little bit different, but it'll still have at its... Um, at its heart, um, uh, the, the the kind of you know the, the, the willingness to get people talking about mental health. So that's mm. a real positive, mm. something that will absolutely continue. Um, mm. Because as you say, it's become a, a kind of a calendar moment um, in in mental health. Yeah, I mean, all this discussion reminds me. I think one of my, as part of Mentally Sounds um, uh, remit or structure, one of the things that I used to do was was to read out mental health news. And um, I don't know if you recall this one, Joe, but going back a few years, I think it was somewhere in over in Canada, um, uh, a young lady had shared um, an email which she'd got from her boss because um, she, she was struggling. And, um, you know, all the, the kind of things we've just talked about, the the stresses and, and, and the, which, which she was suffering. And she she decided to be look really candid about it. And she mailed, emailed her boss and said, look, I'm really kind of struggling and... I don't know how to say or, or go about this. And the response that, that she got from her boss was like, you know what, I'm so glad that you you told me about this because this is something we really all need to be open about. And so um, chuffed and overwhelmed she was, she sort of shared this email on social media and it went viral. But is that the sort of the, the symbolism, the kind of thing that which can be encouraged and and you hope that will 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 change a lot of workplaces. I mean, I guess you've already answered that to some degree. But wouldn't it be great an ideal world where most, if not all, bosses were like that, that we could all open up if we if we were having you know struggles at work? I think that so. I think there's there's there's, there's such a lot of value in giving mm. people permission to um, 
talk about what's going on for them. So uh, rethink mental illness and at mind um, uh, in terms of the way in which we structure our catch-ups with our um, staff team. So we have those once a month. Yeah. There's always the very first question that we would ask is, how are you? Mm. Um, and uh, to make sure that we're listening and hearing what people have to say yeah. and that they know that um, that there is permission to talk about things if mm. that, you know, there's the workplace stuff and we can't leave our home life just at home. So we yeah. try to incorporate a question that, that helps people to answer how yeah. truly how they are. Yeah. And from my perspective, um, the ability to be able to um, also share with my team and my wider organisation mm -hmm. about my own mental health struggles mm -hmm. is incredibly powerful too, because what it helps to get people to understand is that this is a safe place and that I am a safe pair of ears mm -hmm. um, if people need to talk about it. But it also shows cases that um, people live well and can, or rather can live well yeah. with um, existing experience of, uh, of a mental health problem. Sure. Um, and, and I think that that's terms of kind of modelling behaviour is something that we, of course, want to be encouraging all um, employers, all line managers and all um, mm. directors and chief executives, all that senior leadership team mm. um, to be doing. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got written down here as well that I understand it's like seventy five percent empowered champions felt empowerment from this, um, which is yeah, yeah fantastic, exactly. so, fantastic. So, so that's that that's and, and and of course when I'm talking about in, in people in employers, I'm talking about your everyday uh, people who might not be you know they might yeah. not be experiencing mental health. I'm all one of our champions, but yeah. yes, you're absolutely right. The involvement with um, time to change for many champions. Mm has been a real sort of um, life-changing um, yeah. experience. It's given them confidence. Um, they've got a sense of tribe. They've got that sense of being um, able to speak up and speak out about their own experience, but also to be challenging others um, when they're seeing or experiencing uh, mm. discrimination themselves. And, and, and we really want to be encouraging yeah. um, people to feel enabled to do that. Mm. Um, whenever they feel safe to do so. Fantastic. I think that's been a really, uh, as I say, I don't use such words lightly, but the monumental shift into getting these pledges into the workplace has been been um, incredible. As someone who's had that sort of discrimination before. So, um, yeah, th thank you for that. Um, let's spend a few moments um, uh, talking about um, young people, Joe. Um, when you, in, in those sorts of early days, um, when when you and and your and your staff were getting together, what what did you? I mean, child mental health and and teenagers' mental health, and uh, especially now with this sort of whole myriad of of social media and peer pressures, um, how did you even begin to think about how to tackle um re regarding stigma in young people? But I imagine part of the answer would be, um, and I mentioned social social media is to use such things as a tool to to tackle the stigma amongst. Would I be right in that? Yeah, so, so as with all of our audiences, actually, you know, we consider young people to be a particular audience. We, mm. we really began by talking to young people who had experienced mental illness yeah. and asking them where they experienced most stigma and discrimination. Mm -hmm. And um, once we knew that, we were able to then 
talk to young people um, and uh, understand uh, why, what were the barriers to uh, young people talking about mental health more generally and treating others with respect. And of course, once you start doing that, because everything mm. that we do, we try to co-produce with mm. lived experience. Um, and of course, once you once you start to talk to people and you understand where people who might be stigmatising are and why, mm. and you understand what the impact of that stigma and discrimination is on somebody who's experiencing mental health problems, mm. you start to see a roadmap of where you need to um, intervene and what you might need to say and do mm. that might help to change somebody's attitude and somebody's behaviour. So we did exactly the same with young people. We spent the first six months meeting with young people, doing focus groups, doing mm. some desk research, um, and that helped us to understand how we might need to go about um, yeah. delivering this programme. Mm. And as with all of our other programmes, you know, we had um, champions at the heart of it because we know how powerful peer-to-peer -peer education is. Yeah. Um, we worked with um, schools to enable teachers to support those young champions mm -hmm. um, within schools to deliver um, the changes. And then we created um, uh, materials that were useful for schools mm -hmm. and, again, co-produced those with teachers mm -hmm. so that we could have a whole raft of assemblies, of um, session outlines. Mm -hmm. And, again, all of that stuff is still downloadable on the website. So if you are a school and you're thinking how do I go about doing this, mm. then pop onto the website and you'll get some materials there. Mm. Um, how receptive were, were the schools? I mean, <clears throat> you said you did focus groups, so you, you went and talked to them. Um, did the teachers themselves have to have to go through a, maybe another element of training to enable to encourage their uh, pupils to speak out? Because um, I imagine, you know, People, uh, you know, training in through through previous generations might not have had that in their toolkit. So, is it a re revelation not just for the pupils, for the teachers themselves? Um, I I guess it was a whole sort of collective effort, as as sim similar example in the workplace with with staff and bosses. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, we so we we I was actually quite surprised about how um, receptive schools were to this. We you know yeah. we. We definitely didn't have to work too hard to, to talk to teachers. Often what would happen is you'd go in and you'd talk to a particular member of staff who had decided that this was mm. something that they should do, either because of their personal experience or because they understood the value of mental health in young people in terms of good mental health equaling um, the you know best chance in life, really. Yeah. Um, and what was also quite um, surprising was how... Uh, much benefit um, staff had because we, we talk with staff mostly so as we could get to young people but of course what happened was that, that, that in many of the schools that we went in to work with mm -hmm. they took a workplace um, uh, perspective on it as well as trying to work with children and people yeah. and so again the workplace stuff that we did in other organizations was was really as relevant there too mm. and you're right so we had to go in and, and give teachers confidence to address this topic because yeah. many were worried that they needed to be a specialist or that they would make matters worse or that somehow mm. they would create um mental health problems in their pupils simply by talking about it sure so we worked really hard to create train the trainer packs um, and we went into schools and worked alongside teachers to kind mm. of deliver 
some of these programs so they'd feel confident um, about about delivering it once we mm. weren't there. Yeah. And we tried to make it as simple as possible. <clears throat> so we would create something that said, okay, um, say this, show this film, mm-hmm. and then here's some discussion that you can have with your class that will take you know, 20 minutes, which will cover your 50-minute um, um, class. And once yeah. staff got really confident about delivering this, they then went off and did their own research and, and, and were able to build on what we provided um, um, to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were really enthusiastic about taking it on board. And that, for me, is really important because the children and young people bit, the change that we look to make around stigma and discrimination, we always talk about it as being a change mm-hmm. in a generation. So if we can get to young people now, we're getting them thinking differently so their attitudes are more tolerant, but Mm -hmm. also they're going to be the young people who grow up and go into employment Mm. and totally demand that mentally healthy workplaces exist. (laughs) So there's a whole raft of things um, that that come from working with children and young people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was wondering on the back of that, how, how influential do you think Time to Change has been to... Because I, I read almost every, on a daily basis about how, you know, things like mindfulness is practiced in schools that that um, more and more schools are employing, you know, counsellors so they can they can talk to um, ch- children, pupils, teenagers privately about any struggles they might have. Were those the sorts of things that you're encouraging as well to help create that sort of shift? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So we went in with a very clear remit around stigma and discrimination. But mm. what we did was we created um, networks of head teacher um, uh, programs so that they could come together mm. and share best practice and things that they'd done in schools that had worked. But mm. we didn't want to restrict that just to thinking about stigma and discrimination. We wanted them to think about the whole mental health landscape, which, as you say, includes things like, you know, counselling in schools or, you know, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. but that we would give them the tools to think it through and then they would go off and find out themselves. And we would continue to deliver the very mm-hmm. specific um, piece of work around stigma and discrimination. So, yes, I think, you know, we, we, we help to raise the profile and we help to give staff confidence. And then it's amazing what schools then go on to do mm-hmm. um, simply because they've just had that piece of, of, of input and, and feel confident about the topic area. Yeah. And uh, last question regarding young people, going back to what I mentioned earlier. So so how vital were, were the sort of the various uh, marketing ideas regarding sort of, um, you know, say something like social media, using Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all them to, to, to sort of push the message through. Um, I imagine for time to change, that was sort of a, um, well, it was a no-brainer, wasn't it, that you could use these tools to, because you're you're getting direct access to, to you know the the, the minds of, of young people and and get to know about you know how they're thinking how they go about things yeah so again you know really a bit like with all of the audiences we mm. we, we needed to understand where they were in their thought process around um, stigma yeah. and discrimination and in fact mental health and mental illness but we also needed to know where we we could reach them mm. so um for example with our male audience um yeah uh, the, the best way we could reach them was through radio adverts, for example, because they often have radio adverts playing in the background. That was perfect. So we knew we could reach them through there. Okay. And the same for young people. So we would look to, well, where are young people at currently? Where are they, where are they consuming mm. um, uh, you know, leisure? 
um, and and yes, of course, through social, um, you know, that was that was really important. Also, really important because young people could then share content, yeah, create their yeah. own content, and share yeah. content. So that became really really important. Mm. Um, but as with every audience that we look at, we think about both where they are in terms of their journey um, mm. from not knowing about mental health to being a champion for it mm. but also how we can reach them yeah. and then the third thing that we always look at is with what messaging mm. so what is it that that they need to know that would influence their likelihood to think differently about mental health and mental illness absolutely yeah because you know through discussion um of of uh, young mental health um in previous radio shows and podcasts you know the especially on the social media front where we look at things like um, um, retweets and likes and so forth. In some ways, it was seen as like um, markers for young people as to an indication of, of almost how, how much they're liked or disliked where it become really unhealthy. But the key word you use there, I mean, the one of the biggest um, aspects of social media is the ability to share. To So for, to share the actual positive... Um, mental health messages which the likes of you guys were, were were pushing through was was would have been you know um great for that um my next question in a way almost relates to um what we've just been talking about but um your campaign has has, has had um many sort of celebrity celebrity involvements um how much how influential pow- and powerful has that been to 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 push messages through i guess you know for having celebrities to to open up about their own mental health can can only be a good thing, but I imagine in some ways there's still much to do because, as we've seen with the whole kind of carry on regarding Prince Harry, that um, there's still a bit of a negativity there, a bit of stigma which still needs to be um, you know dealt with. Would Would you agree with that? So I think you're I think you're you're re, you're right in the sense that um, celebrity and certainly in the early years celebrity was 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 important and continues to be important. If mm. if somebody that is in your um, sphere of influence, if if, yeah. if there's somebody that you really look up to who mm. chooses to talk positively about mental health, that's bound to positively influence you. So that from that point of view, celebrity mm. is really good because it helps us to reach people that we might not reach through any of the other mediums that we use yeah. in time to change. So there's always that great, perfect mm-hmm. um, uh, storm in terms of, uh, of working with celebrities. Mm-hmm. But I think that for us at Time to Change, the, 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 the absolute um, base of, of everything we did was about individuals who had experienced mental health problems, mm-hmm. our champions, who were willing to talk about it and were willing to um, share that experience, talk about it publicly, yeah. challenge stigma and discrimination. So mm-hmm. those everyday stories, mm-hmm. as important, maybe in some ways more important than celebrity endorsement. Mm-hmm. Because when I see my um, friend or uh, or when I see somebody who looks like me and sounds like me, talking about this this topic area yeah i suddenly realized that i can do it too and sometimes when you get celebrity you almost have the sense of exception by exception to the rule Mm. rather than this is somebody who's everyday and ordinary like me Mm. who's talking about their experience and now i feel empowered and safe to be able to do the same thing yeah 
Definitely. I mean, you know, when we look up to role models, I mean, I had so many growing up, be it sports stars, music stars, and the moment that they kind of, um, and we almost seen them in a, in a very kind of immortal kind of uh, viewpoint, don't we? But the moment they talk about us, struggles that they have, and it relates to to yourself, then there's that the the, the sort of direct um um you know you know re- relatable feelings that you have with them just grows is just empowered rather than anything sort of severing in that way. So yeah, I agree with that. Um, um, let's spend the. I mean, where's the time gone? We're almost at the end, Joe. It's it's been great talking to you, but um, I'd like to spend the the last sort of few minutes. Um, first of all, talking about um the attitudes uh, i've got some some more stats in front in front of me that um as regards to stigma so um am i right it's 13% are living are, are willing more 30% more people are willing to live with with a person who admitted to lives living with a, a, a diagnosed condition or is it a bit more generic than yeah. that yeah 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 so the, so uh, so these are the these are the big ticket story um, in terms of our kind of our overall change in in attitude so what we know is that um we've had a 12.7 percent increase in uh in 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 positive attitudes um, Mm. amongst our target audiences Mm. and that equates to about um 5.4 million people who've had improved attitudes since we began in 2007 clearly that's not just down to time to change but it certainly is um Mm. it's certainly something that we've been tracking over that time and then you're right we also look at um how people um uh, whether people are feeling uh are happy to live with work with think it's live next door to and have a relationship with um there was a high proportion of people who would have said no they weren't willing to live next door Mm. to and they weren't willing to have a relationship with and what we've Mm. seen is that has reduced now um and so people um people's attitudes are definitely improved and you touched on it a bit earlier the other stat that we um that we've looked at is, is is people's empowerment having been involved in time to change mm. how more confident they feel um mm. uh, about that and i think the last stat that we took was 61 percent. and the thing about all of those statistics is that we are literally this week <laughs> waiting yeah. for an update on those so we took another um data set in december last year mm-hmm. and we're just waiting with it from the um, we work with the ioppn yeah. Um, at King's College London mm. um, and they're just about to give us the most up-to-date stats so hopefully yeah. we'll be able to announce the fact that those things have got even better and even bigger. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, you rightly say, I mean the, the stigma is, uh, regarding some conditions, I mean there was a time where I didn't want to tell people about um, PTSD because some of the negative sort of press that that, that particular condition and other conditions get especially when they twin it regarding, you know, certain tragedies or, or, or you know, some bad news stories and, and it just kind of exacerbates the, the the stigma in some ways. But, you know, the kind of work that, that you guys do in, in sort of um, counteracting that, um, that sort of, you know, um, you know, well, say myth stories is, is, is so vital to where we are now, I think, which where I'm more... I'm perfectly at ease to to talk about my my PTSD, and I think that's um lot you know, thanks to the the kind of work that that you guys do. Um, last few minutes, um, Joe. Um, 
Um, so you've been heavily involved with this campaign for for you know since you know since the inception now. But um, I don't mean it to sound like the end. But um, if you want, to, if you could pick out maybe a few of the highlights um, which you've been involved with and 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 gives you the most pleasure, um, what what would you pinpoint them to be? Oh, that's. I mean, in some senses, that's completely easy for me. And I think that 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 for me, the highlight of my entire time working on Time to Change has just been watching people who um, who come along and and maybe volunteer to become a champion with us. Yeah. And watching, just seeing those people grow and build confidence and. Mm. Um, be able to get out there and, and do what a lot of us are, are really nervous about doing, you know, presenting in public and all of those things. And just to be able to see that growth over yeah. the years has been an absolute privilege of my working career. Yeah. Um, and I think then the other thing for me has, has and it's always going to be my baby, is, is the Children and Your Keepers program. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, that was the, that was the one piece of the of the entire jigsaw that I kind of set up and, and delivered, you know, from scratch. And so mm-hmm. I feel a great sense of pride in in, in seeing its um, inception and then its its great um, development. And particularly those young champions that we worked with um, who are uh, an inspiration to me every single day. Um, they're just fantastic. So I think those two things are probably the absolute highlights for me. Yeah, it's the proverbial sort of planting of the seed and watching it grow and blossom and everything, isn't it? Yeah, uh, that's good. yeah, that's yeah. That, that metaphor really works well with that. So, um, for for uh, people out there listening who want to, who maybe don't know much about Time to Change, although we we've done a good job, I think, in in explaining. But if they wanted to find out more, Joe, where where can they find out more details? Um, especially online. Yeah, so you can go to um, time-to-change.org.uk and what I'd really encourage people to do is if you look um, within the website, if you look at our impact, we've got a lovely set of impact series that we've written um, Mm. that takes people through an understanding of each of the different elements that we've delivered Mm. um, uh, in Time to Change and also our kind of overarching sort of um, uh, program of, of behaviour change along yeah. with our evaluation so definitely go check out the impact series um, mm-hmm. on the Time to Change website yeah. Are people still allowed to um, submit blogs because I know that's been a big big toolkit, uh, part of your toolkit as well, on, especially on social media Yeah, we do, we're not taking on any new um, right. because basically the website is just a static website now okay. where it holds lots of the um, lots of the uh, resources but of course you can be in contact with mind and with rethink mental illness um and again on the website there's also ways in which you can there's a list of ways in which you can get involved with both of those charities where writing of blogs is probably um something that um that they would really be be happy to receive super well joe it's been uh, fantastic speaking to you for the last uh well almost an hour now but um i know we were a little bit sort of skeptical whether we could stretch out to a full hour but i think we've done an all right job what do you think <laughs> i think we have i've been kind of surprised too i yeah. hope that makes sense as we talk yeah but it's been fantastic uh, speaking to you and, uh, and i thank you from the bottom of my heart and i think from from everyone's bottom of their heart too involved with um 
um, you know, the whole sort of mental health project in terms of what their own experiences and wanting to spread the word about cracking the stigma. I think time to change has been incredibly, incredibly powerful. And um, as I say, things are going to wrap up to a wee while, but in a wee while's time. But um, let's hope the legacy continues. And um, yeah, just thank you very much. Um, thank you for all the incredible work that you've done. Um, and thank, thanks to all the staff and all the other community champions as well, who I've had the pleasure of meeting on a, on a on a personal basis as well so um that wraps it up listeners um thank you for joining us on mentally sound this is episode 55 it'll go out on social media very soon it'll be on spice fm on tuesday at one and repeat on saturday afternoons at three o'clock um all that leaves to be said is uh thank you very much joe and thanks to time to change and um yeah join us again for some more mentally sound next week um life and lockdown podcast series um uh, stay safe everyone that's the main message but more importantly take care of your mental health if you're listening to us on spice fm stay tuned for the next show but in the meantime thank you very much thanks again joe thank you and take care